Support for Kansas City Today comes from Cleveland University, Kansas City. From its roots as a chiropractic college to new degree programs in health sciences, CUKC is educating healthcare professionals focused on next-level health. Learn more at cleveland.edu slash impact. Support also comes from Grandma's Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison, in for no mean Ujiyadeen. Today is Monday, January 24th. And with this episode, we're starting something new. Every Monday, we'll take a closer look at what's going on in the Kansas and Missouri legislatures. I'll be bringing you news and conversation throughout the sessions about what lawmakers are up to and how it could affect your life. This time, I'll talk with Senator John Rizzo, the Missouri Senate's Democratic leader from Independence. But first, a look at what's happening in Topeka this week, where the big story is the controversial congressional redistricting map approved by the Kansas Senate Friday along mostly party lines. As Jim McLean of the Kansas News Service reports, the proposed map could deny the state's Democrats their lone seat in Congress. The Republican map takes heavily Democratic areas of Kansas City, Kansas, out of the congressional district now represented by Democrat Sharice Davids. It replaces them with two mostly Republican counties south of the Kansas City metro area. Senate Democratic leader Dinah Sykes says the map ignores what residents of the district said they wanted. The majority party has used selective listening to justify a map that makes no sense for Kansas unless you see congressional districts as a means to one-party control. Not true, says Republican Senator Richard Wilborn. Based on the results of the last election, he says Davids could survive in the new district. There's no attempt to eliminate a Democratic district. A nearly identical map is working its way through the Kansas House. That's not the only hot-button issue on the agenda in Topeka this week. A Kansas House committee is scheduled to hold hearings Tuesday on Democratic Governor Laura Kelly's proposal to eliminate the state's sales tax on groceries. Meanwhile, a Senate committee will hold hearings on two bills aimed at limiting the development of wind and solar projects in the state. There's another proposal scheduled for a hearing that would require law enforcement officers executing search warrants to announce themselves and knock before entering someone's property. Oh, there's one more thing Kansas legislators will be facing this week, COVID-19, and not just as a policy issue, but as a personal one. The number of lawmakers absent reached more than 20 one day last week, not necessarily all due to illness, but the pandemic clearly made a dent. Some committees even had trouble reaching a quorum, according to Johnson County Democratic Representative Stephanie Clayton. We've got some people subbing in on various committees. And so uh, just like with any workplace, we, uh, we utilize teamwork to continue to get the work of the state done. A handful of House Democrats have tested positive for the virus since the session began last week. Democrats in the Senate so far are virus-free. And GOP leaders won't share their caucuses' numbers due to privacy concerns. Last week in Jefferson City, an annual tradition played out. Governor Mike Parson delivered his State of the State address. Last year, you might remember, COVID and intraparty squabbling created a confusing day that ended with the Republican governor speaking to a smallish crowd in the Senate chamber. But this year, the pomp and circumstance of a joint session returned, and Parson laid out his agenda and hopes for the year in front of a full, if largely unmasked, House. Missouri is strong today and will be even stronger tomorrow. 
We're going to hear more of what the governor said and what's in his proposed $47 billion budget. We're pleased to be joined by the leader of the Missouri Senate's Democrats, Senator John Rizzo, from here in Independence. Senator, welcome. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me. I'm curious, do you share the governor's view that the state of Missouri is strong today and on track to be even stronger tomorrow? I think it's on track to be stronger tomorrow. I I, I think that we are uh, obviously... Uh, in a much better position, thanks to uh, Joe Biden and uh, the the Democrats in Washington D.C. and uh, providing us with the surplus of funds to be able to do some real transformative things in the state of Missouri. Uh, so that definitely helps strengthen the state of Missouri uh, for for right now and obviously for the foreseeable future. Well, and that's the governor's budget proposals, uh, which come with the state of the state, uh, really were largely, uh, many of them were dependent on that federal funds from the American Rescue Plan Act. Total of $47.3 billion going out in the governor's proposals, $11 billion or so coming in. Both of those are record numbers. He's proposing almost a billion dollars to increase what health care providers are paid, uh, $722 million for child care providers, half a billion injected into the state employees' retirement system, uh, and then some infrastructure investments like these. Under our proposal, we will make $250 million available to communities across the state to enhance access to safe drinking water and responsible wastewater, and $150 million to enhance stormwater systems. While I do not agree with the massive expansion of the federal debt, the responsibility falls on us to invest wisely and make smart decisions. We must do what the federal government cannot. Senator Rizzo, it seems like a lot of those spending initiatives are things Democrats would typically advocate for. Will you support the governor's spending proposals? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously there's there, there's things that we won't uh, get on board with in certain regards, but I would say by and large, the, a lot of the cornerstone pieces that he laid out in his speech uh, are things that we can definitely support and, and work with him on. It would be politically expedient and easy for him uh, to turn the money down, send it back to all these other things. But he's actually taking the opportunity to invest in the state of Missouri and the people in the state of Missouri with pay raises that, you know, Democrats and others have been advocating for for years and uh, infrastructure that we have been advocating for for a long time. So, um, you know, it, I, I'm very pleased to see that he is investing in the state and investing in the people of the state of Missouri. And we look forward to working with them on those things. Do you see the investment particularly benefiting the Kansas City area in, in any ways? Well, you know, we're looking from the state perspective. I, I do believe that Kansas City will be definitely benefited from it. I mean, I was just on a, a, a call with the UMKC and, and they have a they have a pretty broad proposal for some huge advancements that they want to do. Um, um, for their campus. And, you know, everybody is, is, is working towards kind of getting a wish list of what they need uh, to, to be productive for the next generation, right? This, the, the, these, these dollars are generational dollars. And right now everyone's trying to put, wrap their head around not just what tomorrow will look like, but 10 years from now because we don't know when we'll get another investment like this into, into the state of Missouri, into the country, uh, and definitely into infrastructure. Because it's been a while, right, since we've really done an infrastructure plan. So uh, everybody's trying to really think long-term on the projects and, and how you go about doing it, including the governor. We're happy to uh, really make some strong investments in the state of Missouri. It all sounds very bipartisan. Uh, I imagine that could change when we change topics. The, the governor also had some things to say about COVID-19, and what he said was mostly positive. In this state, we used common sense and took a balanced approach to the pandemic. And while that may not seem like a novel idea, when you look to some of the 
policies and mandates in other states and places, you find that common sense may not be so common. We never had any state mandates or forced businesses, schools, or churches to close in this state. We protected lives and livelihoods in this state. And when it comes to COVID-19 mandates, I firmly believe that the people should have a say through their local elected representatives and not be dictated by needless executive action or any one person. Of course, as of last week, the state's been averaging around 12,000 new cases a day, the highest rate of the entire pandemic. More than 17,000 Missourians have died of the disease. Senator, what's your assessment from a policy standpoint? Should this be going differently right now? Uh, Yeah, I mean, look, you have an attorney general who's actively circumventing uh, mask mandates, which would obviously be completely opposite of what the governor said in that clip that you just played. I agree with him. They don't need outside influence or executive orders or the attorney general uh, suing school boards like in Lee Summit to, to, to overstep their bounds and, and reach into uh, school districts and, and school boards and where parents and, and teachers and, and you know school boards are, are making decisions. Uh, I, I, I will just say, I think people are really, really exhausted you know, uh, of the COVID situation. And unfortunately, uh, it, it doesn't seem like the Republican Party has done much of anything to try to combat it. Uh, they, you know, we have an attorney general who's actively trying to get people to not wear masks. Um, the testing is, is just backed up everywhere. It, but people really are exhausted. I don't know if the mandates are the way to go. I really, I really feel like um, you're putting some more gasoline on the fire with the mandates and, and uh, it, it just makes it difficult. And, and boosters are readily available. Vaccinations are readily available. And we have to sit back at some point and ask ourselves, are we protecting people that just, quite frankly, don't want to be protected? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, we have to do everything we can to help people that have immunocompromised systems and disabled and so on and so forth. So you're really trying to thread the needle there. There's another topic that's been putting a lot of Kansas City leaders at odds with leaders in Jeff City, and that's the issue of policing. While the governor didn't name names, it certainly seemed like he might have been talking at least partly about Kansas City the other night. Missourians respect law and order, but as a former sheriff, it alarms me to see some of the attitudes towards those who have taken an oath to defend our communities and keep us safe. We must work to strengthen our communities by supporting our men and women in law enforcement and learn from the failed policies in other cities and states to never allow anti-law enforcement measures to take hold in this state. In Missouri, we defend law enforcement, not defund them. One of your fellow senators, uh, Senator Rizzo, Tony Lutkemeyer, a Republican from Parkville, wants to actually increase the amount Kansas City is required to set aside for its police department, which is, of course, controlled by a state-appointed board. What do you want to see the legislature do about law enforcement this year, especially in Kansas City? Well, I mean, you know, look, it's, it's very early in session. I don't think that the whole defund the police uh, narrative is good for Democrats or good for anybody um, uh, in general. But uh, I, I will say this, again, is the hypocrisy of the Republican Party showing through, right? They, they, they talk about local control, they espouse local control uh, until they don't. And they, 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 they don't like the long arm of Washington, D.C. Uh, messing with Jefferson City unless it's for their money. But they're more than happy to come into Kansas City and St. Louis 
and, and try to overstep their bounds. So the, the Republican Party has turned into this uh, gelatinous uh, uh, shapeshifter whenever they need to, uh, having no uh, bounds on hypocrisy. It's just the complete opposite. But what would you and the Democratic Party do about rising violent crime rates, rising homicide rates in Kansas City? I, I think that the calculation maybe needs to be looked at. I will say that, that which is eventually what we're going to probably maybe get to is a place to where more money does go to the police department, but we want to make sure it goes to salaried officers. And we want to make sure it goes to uh, making a difference and not just to the bottom line where they can buy more equipment that is unnecessary. Look, we, we don't need to defund the police, but we do need to look at demilitarizing it. The police should be a part of the community, not, not, not there to, you know, to, 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 to overstep bounds. So to be clear, you're not necessarily opposed to Senator Lukemeyer's bill, which would mandate that 25% of the Kansas City budget uh, is spent on police. Uh, you know, I, I think it's early, early, early in session. And right now, you know, the two things that we are really focusing on are congressional redistricting and then obviously the supplemental budget because we have to uh, fund Medicaid expansion. And then once we get that far down the pipe, um, uh, we'll have the conversation, I'm sure, about the Kansas City Police Department. But I do like to go into things with an open mind. Well, let me ask you about redistricting. The uh, congressional redistricting map passed the House last week. It's a 6-2 map, six Republican safe seats, two likely Democratic seats. It passed without uh, Democratic support there, but the alternative to it would probably be a seven Republican, one Democratic map. I'm curious, will Senate Democrats support this 6-2 map that cleared the House? You know, the state is not... A six-two state. It's it's a five-three state at best, and it's certainly not a seven-one state like some of the ultra-conservative Eric Greitens uh, Republicans would like to would like to to, to gerrymander it that way. Uh, so we've got to find that sweet spot of six-two or five-three that can uh, make a variety of people with different mindsets happy, because you you just end up tipping the scale at some point to where you make so many other people angry that that you can't get enough. Uh, consensus. And, you know, that's that's how you got to do it in Jeff City is, is try to work to get some consensus so that we can get the stuff done. Look, we're going to have an election next November. So we, we need to make sure we have uh, some sort of uh, redistrict, some sort of district line. That's Senator John Rizzo, a Democrat from Independence. He's the Senate Minority Leader. Thanks so much, Senator, for joining us. All right. Thank you, Brian. This is Kansas City Today. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and Trevor Grandin and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more coverage of the Missouri and Kansas legislatures, visit kcur.org. As always, you can hear Kansas City's NPR station live on the radio at 89.3 FM. If you like our show, feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-235-8930 with your feedback. Nomeen Ujiadeen returns tomorrow. I'm Brian Ellison. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. Thank you.